Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Hormones in Harmony podcast, episode 150. And that's been quite a journey from episode one. I was actually looking back the other day at old guests that I had. It feels honestly like a million years ago because I was in my um, parents' house then, my old house. Um, my face was like puffy as anything and I could just see the the difference, obviously, in my interviewing style as well. I remember when I used to edit the podcast, I'd like every other word I'd have to edit out. So it's like, um, and stops and starts. I feel like I've gotten into the swing of things now um, with the, the guests and the type of content. And it's very much shifted as you pr- can probably hear from the episodes from very much hormone and period centered and kind of balancing things at more of a surface level. And just from my own experience and what I've learned over the past few years now, it's actually gotten into the root causes of not just hormone imbalances, but a lot of just illness and symptoms in general. There's obviously going to be the simple situations where someone with PMS or fertility issues just needs to start eating healthily and things normalize. But I'm not talking about these types of people um, on this podcast. It's more of those of you out there who are doing all the right things and are still struggling because I've been there. Um, A lot of people have been there and there's always hope. There's always answers. So I hope you've enjoyed the episodes. But I wanted to say that this is an important or special podcast episode as well, because it's actually going to be the last of the series for now. We'll say that. I don't know if it's going to be a short term thing, a long term thing. I just want to have a bit of a break, honestly, because it's been, I think, like two to three years of me doing this. And although it does, um, it's something that I enjoy. It's one of the most favorite parts of my job, just connecting with these people. It does take a lot out of my week and organizing it, it there's a lot behind the scenes um that goes into it that you might not be aware of so there's this backlog of episodes now 150 episodes all still relevant all still amazing that you can go back and listen to even multiple times because sometimes when you listen to something again you get something new out of it so i've been back to listen and i still show these podcast episodes and yeah all the guests you can obviously go and follow their work as well i'll still be active on social media and probably be making YouTube videos here and there. But yeah, the podcast for now is going on a bit of a pause. And honestly, I feel like I've covered pretty much everything that I wanted to cover. I have um, interviewed some dream guests I've always wanted to connect with. So I'm very happy with the the work that's been put out there. But I just wanted to yeah have a little break, um, gather some inspiration, especially over the Christmas season. And I always have a little bit of a break over Christmas. But um, yeah, thank you to everyone who has supported. If you haven't already, please leave a podcast rating and review. Even though it's ending, I still want this information to get out there um, because it's. if I do say so myself, it's a little bit different than the regular hormone advice that we hear. So today's episode, I didn't want to do just another 
Q&A or have a guest. Um, and I think the 150 episode is a nice round number. Um, I was <laughs> thinking of doing it sooner, but I was like, no, 150 sounds pretty good. And I've made special episodes on episode 50, 100. So it's going to be the same with this one. And I thought I would have my amazing podcast editor because about how long is it? Like six months ago now, Kira? It's actually been a year. Year? Oh my God. How time flies. Um, so yeah, a year ago, I asked my former client and now friend and colleague, Kira, to help me with the podcast because it was just getting a bit too much to edit as well. But um, yeah, she's been doing an amazing job um, at putting the podcast together and helping me get it out there for you guys. So I asked her if she would interview me this time around. So I'm in the, the different seat this time and I pulled you guys on Instagram asking you for some questions more on like my health journey or questions you want to ask me personally because usually I'm just asking answering like listener questions and um, there's plenty of those episodes if you want to listen back but yeah I've got lots of questions and Kira is going to take the seat for um, this episode but before we get into the questions I want Kira to introduce herself and yeah tell, tell us a bit about your health journey because you've struggled with similar things as well and that's how you found me and then yeah you're also studying now as well so yeah could you introduce yourself to the listeners yeah sure thank you so i'm kira as vivian said and i am behind the scenes working away doing all our episode editing and our show notes and it's been great so thank you very much i've really enjoyed the last 12 months um so i am 30 i live in sunny scotland and I am a musician the rest of the time, although there hasn't been as much of that recently, but hopefully it's coming back to a more normal type of gigging situation. I am also a mum to a six-year-old um, and yeah, I was quite ill for a long time. So I found Vivian when it would have been about two and a half years ago, I think. And I'd been trying to do all the things on my own. I'd been trying to fix my skin conditions, trying to heal my gut, which just seemed to go round in circles and having all these histamine responses and knowing my liver wasn't happy. And I thought I just need someone else to help because I'm, I'm kind of getting there slowly, but it's, it's taken up a lot of time and there must be other people that know much more than I do. So we started working together and Instantly, I thought, this is great. It just takes a weight off your mind that someone else can help figure things out. But it, it wasn't a straightforward journey. I'm not sure whether you would say I'm a typical type of client, if I was an easy client or a hard case to crack. I think now, like very, like, I must admit, like back two and a half years ago, um, I probably knew more than you did. And we definitely got some improvements with a lot of things. But I was still learning about my own health and people always say like as a, a student or a practitioner um, I don't feel like I can coach someone else because I'm not 100% perfectly healthy and I've definitely felt that along the way but it's never stopped me from um, doing what I do because in order to coach someone or to guide someone you really only have to be one step ahead of them in order to give them some guidance so I honestly feel like we were learning at the same time because we had a lot of similar symptoms too um, I think I helped with more of like the gut and just kind of some basic lab testing just to see what was going on and to get you some answers but then I feel like we've kind of evolved together and started to learn um, and I always like give you um, kind of like hints and tips here and there when I learned something about my own health I was like maybe Kira can do this and you would do the same like if you'd 
had good success or listened to a great podcast, you'd forward that on as well. But yeah, back then um, we were getting to the point where we were like, okay, there's something blocking your healing and it wasn't the typical straightforward do this and then you're good like a lot of other clients um but now I like very typically work with a lot of the symptoms that you were dealing with back then and I always feel bad because I wish I would have known this stuff back two and a half years ago and um, I have clients still working with me for years on end um but they're like we don't we don't care we're doing it because we kind of like working with you and just for that guidance and yeah I'm honest that I don't know everything and it's a learning curve and you just have to keep kind of up with the research and all of that. And even with client experience, um, I think I qualified how many years ago? Um, when I was like 21, so about five years ago now. Um, so yeah, that would have been kind of the first couple of years into my practice. And now with more client experience, especially more of these sensitive histamine, mast cell, um, mold related clients than from my own experience and what I put out with the podcast and everything, I'm, I'm kind of attracting a lot of those um, people. So yeah, I know it's been a journey for you. Like what did you um, kind of find as your root causes now looking back and what do you feel like has helped you the most? I think opening my eyes to there wasn't one root cause because you're always searching for just one mm-hmm. answer and there wasn't, there was exhaustion from postpartum you know so there's depletion there's a lack of sleep there's heightened stress I think my nervous system took a long time to come back down I think there's a massive transition that happens into motherhood and you have it's it's just harder for some as well I think depending on where your nervous system sits naturally it's just a bit trickier to keep things on an even keel um, but there was mould exposure, which had a massive, massive effect. And that takes a long time in many cases to get better from that, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember with you as well, I was suspecting it because that was around the same time I was hearing more about it as well. And I was saying, maybe looking to mould exposure. It was like, no, no, it can't be that. Like, we've checked the house. There's nothing nothing visible. And I was like, OK, that's fine. We kind of put it on the, the shelf. And then a while after, you were like, oh, my God, like, I think it's mould. And I think you said, like, when you travelled somewhere or in your car, you found mould as well. So, yeah, don't, um, like, always come back to things that you might have ruled out before. And with mould, I think it's a huge problem, but especially in the UK. um, And, like, you live on a little island, so it's obviously going to be more problematic there, and especially if it's an old house. So, yeah, I thought that was uh, worth mentioning as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember that, and I'm like, it's not mould, it's not mould. And then the light bulb sort of clicked and we had some mold in our house before we renovated but the big exposure wasn't our house it was another house that i was spending a lot of time in so it can be your work Mm. it can be a car um it can be so many other places we have a lot of community halls where i live and they're really old buildings and they're not used or heated often and now when i walk into them i just smile it instantly which i didn't used to think about before so that was a big one food poisoning which led to a lot of gut imbalances and parasites um, which just then leads down to hormonal imbalances and struggling to balance your own hormones and yeah it just becomes this lovely combination of everything yeah but you just listed the like the roots so you yes you had acne and 
period yeah. problems and all of this stuff but at the root your gut was messed up because you had these chronic infections and you had environmental toxicity from mold and you had this emotional nervous system stress and trauma and labor and birth can be traumatic so you don't have when we say that term in podcasts and online trauma it's very different to everyone based on your how your nervous system reacts how you respond how you recover um, and it's yeah it can be as big and intense as um seeing a murder or rape or abuse or anything or it could be as quote minor as um being bullied as a child or having a child so the yeah there's a whole range of uh, traumas and stress yeah absolutely and i'm sure you've probably realized with clients that there's probably never a case where there's not some amount of emotional trauma involved there always is absolutely um, and it's kind of the maybe the last thing you look to which I'm sure would speed up the journey if we looked at that in the beginning. Yeah, but it's the hardest. That's why people put it off because it's so much easier to change your diet and take a supplement. So I always encourage people to look, if they have to, I'd rather someone work on the, the traumas and the limiting beliefs first because that could actually just sometimes alleviate the symptoms or they could massively kind of escalate the healing and then they just need to make a few changes um, with the diet and the lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I can recall living in Glasgow for university and we lived in a really mouldy flat. You know, it was on all our clothes. It was on these boots that I loved and I'd wipe off my boots and put them on to go out. Yeah. And it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me back then. That's not to say it didn't carry on some lingering issues. But the rest of my life, I was happy and calm. And yeah, the other kind of factors that make up your health weren't all at their limit at that point yeah as I said I lived in that same house since I was four years old and it wasn't until I was probably 19 20 years old that the symptoms started and that's because around that time I started working out too much under eating I went abroad got food poisoning maybe a tick bite um, and then the mole exposure became like a huge thing so if I would have lived in that house but never had any other stress and lived perfectly and ate healthily for the rest of my life then it might not have manifested so i want to get your opinion on some of the questions as well some are personal to me but i yeah i'd like you to kind of chime in when you have a, a bit of insight as well with your experience and i think you have a bit of a different experience with you being a mum. so um i'm not a mother just yet but it would be good I, I know a lot of the listeners are parents so should we get into the the questions yeah let's do it and i've okay. reviewed some of them I had a quick glance um, through, um, so I have made a few notes on some of them, whereas others, I just have no idea what's to come. So I will just be winging it. Winging it's the best. Okay, first up, the best advice for maintaining consistency on your health journey. Uh, that's the most important thing as well, because there's no point doing this three month protocol. I tell my clients all the time, even though I work with them in these packages with a minimum of three sessions, it's not just about following every single thing I say perfectly um, to the to the letter and then going back to how you were living before. I'd rather it take you maybe six months to a year to fully incorporate everything and go slowly, but it be maintainable and sustainable long term. That's the most important thing. So, yeah, meaning maintaining consistently, just start small. It honestly doesn't have to be anything too complex. And there's a really good book called The Compound Effect. I think everyone should read and it talks about like even with something like meditation doing two to five minutes every single day might not seem in your day like a huge 
point. You don't have to sit and do an hour meditation every day, but those two to five minutes over four years add up. And yeah, I'd rather someone do that than, and, and maybe do little breaks throughout the day than do a full hour in the morning and then spend the rest of the day in fight and flight mode, running around like a headless chicken. So I have always been pretty motivated and consistent with my healing journey. I've never really had a time where I've quote, gone off the bandwagon or really gone back to how I was living before because I I think the understanding of why you're doing it is extremely important like having a goal or having a reason that you're doing it um, if you're doing it for someone else like if you're just trying to lose weight to please your ex-boyfriend then that's not going to be sustainable and yeah it's actually not going to work so you have to do it for you and probably not just for the aesthetic reasons either because that gets a little bit old and in the grand scheme of things that's not important it's to maybe um, clear acne so that you can go out and enjoy your life and not have to stay locked away in your house anymore. Or it's to regulate your period and your cycle so that you can have kids in 10 years time. So always have a goal, maybe write a letter to yourself. I sometimes get my clients to do this as well. I have these journal prompts where I ask them like, why did you decide to sign up and work with me? Or it could be for you, someone else. Why is it that you want to make changes what do you want your life to be like in one year five years ten years and really seeing what that is for you individually because everyone's dreams and goals um, look differently so yeah I've never really struggled with being consistent there's been days obviously where I'm like why am I doing this because I'm trying to be the healthiest person I know and I'm literally the sickest out of all of them and I'm paying for all of this organic food and hundreds of pounds on supplements every month and I just feel like crap <laughs> but even though like for example when I was in the, the moldy environment and that was just causing so much inflammation in my body even though the supplements and the diet weren't really having the best results that they could have they were still helping and it's better than doing nothing and eating a McDonald's every day because that's just going to make you even more inflamed and make it harder for you to heal so even though the mold and the environment and the air quality for me was the most important thing, it meant that when I eventually did move, my healing was just so much quicker because there was just that one um, thing that I had not had control over had gone. And all of that other effort that I did for years and years beforehand meant that when I finally fixed that problem, I could heal so much quicker. So also having a support system around you, I think helps, whether that's family um, or even a practitioner as some guidance that can help as well and keep you um, accountable. Yeah, great answers. And I think everything you just said, I would agree with. Something I do is I will maybe pick whether it's three things that week or even one that you're going to incorporate every day. If you miss a day, it's fine. Just try again the next day. And it soon piles on and you mm -hmm. think, how do people do that list of 10 things in the morning for their health before they start their day, but you just have to add one. And then once it becomes part of your routine and you don't think about it anymore, you add the next one. And Especially when yeah. you're chronically sick and got brain fog, like having, I said, I'll tell my clients as well, when they get the protocol through, there's going to be some diet changes, some lifestyle changes, some supplements, and maybe some lab tests to do. But I say, if you're overwhelmed and it depends on the person, there's people out there who are like, just give me what I need to do and I'll literally change my life overnight so the, those like all or nothing people whereas there's some people who get massively overwhelmed especially when their nervous system's jacked up and I, I just tell them start with the first one like next week do your hair mineral test and get that sent off and then move on to the next thing um eat uh, eat breakfast 
that week and just do one at a time. So yeah, uh, one small step every week or every day depends on how much you can tolerate. And um, yeah, good, good advice. Yeah, good. Okay, second question. Mindset for getting through an intense detox period. So this is hard and it used to trip me up all the time and now and then when I still get one because you think you've evolved so much and then it comes back and I know I know but I if you're just starting off now like looking forward accept that that's going to happen it's part of the healing journey and I'm constantly reminding people there's the healing journey isn't linear it's like if you've ever seen that post on social media there's like the straight line and then there's like all the squiggles and it goes back that whole one step forward, two steps back thing. That's totally how it goes. You don't have to like suffer months on end. And if you're having major detox reactions, then it could be that you're maybe not supporting your drainage pathways, your liver's need, liver needs more support. There are things that you can do to help. Maybe that you do like a castor oil pack or coffee enema just to help your body a little bit. But I believe that there is some sort of healing crisis that can happen. Sometimes you have to push through a little bit in order to get over that hurdle and if you are detoxing things like mycotoxins and parasites then they release these toxins into the system so you're bound to have some sort of change of symptoms and even during parasite cleanses even though you're feeling good symptom wise a few months in your period might start to change and that can really put um, make you a little bit confused because the bleed might be a little bit heavier than usual or more clotted but the period is like on a three-month delay so that's maybe your health status three months ago. So it's all about kind of taking a deep breath and just accepting what you're going through, making changes if you need to. And this is where a practitioner comes in because they could guide you, whether it is just a, a herx or a detox reaction and something to push through a little bit, or if like you're having an allergic reaction or you're um, like a histamine mast cell reaction and you need to slow down or switch things up, um, that can help too. But yeah, sometimes it's a sign that you're on the right track, um, which can be reassuring as well. Because if you have not really um, seen results from anything else that you've done, and then you start a parasite cleanse and you're like majorly bloated or have major headaches, then that could be a sign that you are stirring something up. So it can sometimes be, um, I, I, I'm a bit of a geek and like a guinea pig experimenter on myself. So whenever I see something like making a change, whether it's good or bad, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because I've done so many things that haven't, done anything good or bad and I just feel like it's a waste of money and the most recent thing like that was the parasite cleansing that I did I've done multiple before with different companies and until I did the cell core one I within a few days passed a worm felt really bad um, in terms of constipation um, and I was like right it must be working and then around the full moons I'd get this anxiety feeling especially at night um, like I couldn't like a weight was on my chest and like breathing issues I know you had a similar thing as well so I was like right this must be working um so I could in that situation push through because I had the education but if you don't know what a herx reaction is or a detox reaction or how to combat that then that's where it gets a little bit um scary as well and in terms of setbacks or flare-ups with symptoms don't add more stress to the situation I've heard someone say once if you get shot with one arrow don't also shoot yourself with five other arrows from the negative thoughts and the limiting beliefs and beating yourself up as well just talk to yourself like you would your friend a loved one your sister your daughter in that time not like what have you done now you're like going back you're back at square one you're not healing you're never going to heal it's always going to be the same that's not going to benefit anyone 
So accept, again, that the healing journey is different for everyone. Um, accept that there's different timelines. Don't try to put a timeline on your health because that will just add more stress too and more pressure. Like if you have a wedding next year and you've got acne, I have some clients come to me and like, I need it gone by then. And I just tell them like, like I can help you. Um, like hopefully work towards that, but I can't make any promises. And actually you're just going to stress yourself up more and probably are working against yourself trying to do that because the the skin and some of these other things like her loss, they take a long time to fully improve anyway because they're not a priority for the body. And sometimes with symptom flare-ups, just a simple reframe in the mind can be very um, useful. So if you have a day where you get a stomach ache or a headache. Bearing in mind, everyone every now and again has headaches and stomach aches and is tired. So we have to remember that we're always going to have symptoms in the future and health is a journey, not a destination. There's always going to be things to work on. It's not just you get healthy and then you're fine forever. You have to keep working on it. But yeah, simple reframes with headache could be, oh, my, my brain's just detoxing something. And even though like you don't have to be extremely specific, it just helps calm the body down a little bit. If you just kind of talk yourself down and provide evidence that the opposite is true. So if a thought pops in your mind, you're always going to have acne or you're always going to be restricted with your diet, find evidence that the opposite is true. Because you can't just say um, that's not true or just shut it down because the, the mind will keep bringing that back up. So if you say, in your in your mind other people have been able to heal vivian's proof of that curious proof of that proof of that or read more positive encouraging hopeful stories online instead of facebook groups where everyone's negative and kind of just um, perpetuates the issue there's a really good podcast i think called the chronic comeback that i listened to a while ago and it's this guy and he has all of these um, recovery stories with some of these chronic conditions like MS even uh, where they've managed to reverse these crazy autoimmune diseases so if you flood your mind with positive feelings during that time and it's not that you can't just lay on the couch one afternoon to cry your eyes out because I've definitely done that before but maybe limit the time that you give yourself to do that say I've got an hour now I'm just gonna um, feel um, bad about the situation and feel like I'm a victim in all of this but then after that hour I'm going to get on with my day that can help too because we don't want to suppress our emotions but we don't want to just keep them going we need to be take some control over our brains yeah completely agree with all of that and it was making me smile there when you would say i was thinking back to when i first became your client and we were trying different protocols and i would react really negatively and i would freak out like there was something wrong and you're like no it's okay just it's telling us something, we just need to tweak it. And it it took me a while to get out of that mindset of this means we're not doing the right thing or, you know, this is only a bad reaction. But it's not necessarily, it's just trying to understand what it means. Um, so you're right, I think don't go into it thinking you'll be better in three months. It might be more, it might be less, you just don't know. And having a definitive journey of what it's going to look like. And not so, comparing yourself to others. Yeah, true. But like you say, have something inspirational that you go to, to be like, those people did it, they're better, and just keep focusing on that. And Which, you're not different at the end of the day. Like if someone's able to heal, you're not a special 
um, different case where you're, you can't heal for whatever reason, like anyone and everyone has the same tools at the fingertips. A lot of the time, we all have these amazing resources with podcasts and blogs and things these days. So yeah, everyone has um, the ability to heal. Yeah, completely. So our next question sort of ties into that. It says, how to deal with setbacks and flare ups? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of just covered my top tips. Um, and it would just be remaining calm as much as possible. Um, maybe writing a list of things that you know help you in that situation. And again, everyone's different. Something that puts you into the rest and digest parasympathetic mode. So for me, like a few things that would really help would be going to the park or going for a walk outside, um, especially if it's a sunny day, even if it's cold, just wrapping up and going for a walk. Um, listening to my favorite music is another one, watching a comedy film, just lying on the sofa, having a nice mug of tea, just looking at the window, honestly, can um, make a difference or meeting up with someone for a, a, um, a coffee or a phone call just someone who you can just talk to, sometimes not even about your health, just a different conversation, just to distract your mind a little bit um, when it starts to spiral and you can't kind of get a grip on it. So yeah, there's going to be um, these setbacks and I've had my first year. Um, the most recent one was with the mold detox when I moved about maybe like 18 months ago now. So oh no, a bit less. So June of 2021, um, I moved and I was like, right, I have a month. I think I had two weeks off work. I was like, I have two weeks off work. I'm going to spend every single day detoxing and spending my whole day, like starting off with a walk outside. Then I'm going to do a coffee enema. Then I'm going to go on my sauna and then I'm going to do this. And then it was the full day. And within like a few days, I was like passed out on the floor because I detoxed too quickly. <laughs> and I just like slowed myself right down. And I think it's Beth O'Hara, um, a practitioner. She said, going slow is fast going fast will slow you down, especially when it comes to these more sensitive um, individuals. So I I was, I should have just known that my body was going to detox anyway, during that time, I didn't need to do anything special. And, and especially with something like mold, the average timeline I see, in order to fully get better is probably like minimum six months, maybe uh, once two years for everything to kind of fully resolve afterwards. So yeah, some timelines can help, especially if you're thinking it's going to be a short one, but I'm like, no, in order to fully heal your gut and do a parasite cleanse, you might be looking more towards the six month mark rather than the six week mark. But then yeah, not getting kind of carried away with, oh, this should have happened by then, or this person is healing at this speed and is doing so well. And look at me, especially on social media, there's some positives, especially if you follow like educational accounts and have access to podcasts and things. But everyone's personal accounts are very much highlight reels and uh, everyone is going through certain stuff in their life and nobody really shares that online so I know it's a common thing that people say but yeah don't believe everything that you see online yeah completely um dealing with flared ups for me now just looks really simple I drink lots of water I'll take some binders and I'll lie on the couch mm -hmm. or go for a walk yeah um and yeah, going slow. I feel like I'm mastering that now, which is helping tremendously than trying to push through and you make yourself really sick. Find us for me too. Made the biggest difference. You do, they really do. Okay, next up, managed to work throughout health struggles. How did you manage this and was it difficult? Hmm. 
So I um, got my first job in retail. So I worked at a supermarket and Sainsbury's for those in the UK. And I just worked on like customer service in the tills since I was uh, 16 or 17, I think, just after I left school. Um, one opened up like a mega store, two minute walk from my house. I was like, right, perfect. And I'd been declined other jobs before that. And I was really sad. I wanted to work at Nando's and they they didn't accept my application. I was like, my life is ending. What am I going to do? I thought it was like my career was going to be to work at Nando's. Um, but yeah, looked a little bit different. Um, so I worked at the Sainsbury's. At that point, wasn't massively symptomatic. I definitely wasn't well. Um, and that's when I was going through the like over-exercise and under-eating thing. And my health was really kind of kicking off at that time. I was studying um, health and social care. So I did a year at a different college before I studied, a couple of years before I studied nutrition. But when I was studying nutrition and my health was at its worst, I'd always worked part-time. I mean, the odd like week I'd work full-time around Christmas or Easter or when people were off and I wasn't at college, I would do full-time. And because the job was like pretty simple, straightforward, literally just scanning things through or going getting products. Some of the time I was on my feet like all day, which when my health was really bad was very draining. So I'd just request to do something else. Like, can I go on a tilt today and like not be running around the store? And at one point I was working two jobs. So I worked part-time at Sainsbury's and then part-time at the gym across the road. It's all like a retail park, which again was across the road from my house. And yeah, there were times, especially the last few years that I worked there, um, that my health was quite bad, that I had all of these symptoms, especially fatigue and dizziness. And I didn't have many sick days at work, um, which was good. But I remember one time I was, um, I was stood up all day. It was an eight hour shift, two till 10. And about, I didn't feel well all day, but about eight o'clock, I asked someone, could I go home early? Cause I, I just felt really dizzy. That was like a common symptom for me. And they were like, um, no, you can't. Like, we've got two hours left. You need to, you need to stay. Because I was the only one on the customer service team. So I was like, at least can I sit down? And they were like, no, you're not allowed because you're on customer service. You have to stand up. I was like, right, okay. And then I ended up like passing out. Um, and the next day um, I had off because I was still really ill. And then came back the day after and it still wasn't right. So then I went home. So I had like two, they classed it as two absences. And then they said, if you're off again uh, this year, um, you're going to get in a written warning. And that's when I was like, no, there's literally people off every other week with coughs and colds or the hungover or whatever. I say, I've been here pretty much every day um, struggling with my health and literally passing out on the shop floor. It's not a good look. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that I remember. I remember really struggling with anxiety at times, especially with customers. Not that I had... Um, I didn't really have social anxiety of being around people, but my nervous system and my adrenals um, and my histamine was so high that the slightest inconvenience or stressor or someone shouting at me trying to get a refund would just set off my nervous system and I'd just go into a panic. And I'd never struggled with that before and I wouldn't know. But yeah, I was just quite sensitive at the time. And um, another one that I remember is I had a lot of bladder issues. So I definitely had overactive bladder and a common histamine mast cell symptom for me would be that I would literally uh, uncontrollably I would just need to pee immediately and at times if you're serving a customer you can't just get up and go to the toilet and sometimes they would have to 
um, send someone over to cover your desk and then you have to wait maybe 20 minutes if someone's on their lunch to come and cover you. So that was quite stressful knowing that I could literally like pee myself at any point. And I did multiple times. Like I just couldn't hold it and I would just pee and I'd been to the doctors. They were like, um, you just need to do more Kegel exercises. And I'm like, I'm 21 years old. That's not the case. I've never had this before. And he was like, yeah, it's just gonna, you're just gonna have to live with it, unfortunately. But since healing everything, I've never had that issue before. Um, sometimes it'd just be a little, little bit. Sometimes it would be the full, the full lot. So I would have to go home and just make an excuse, get changed, come straight back to work. And that was a little bit um, sad. Um, yeah, we did like MLT tests at work sometimes. And um, I, I remember one time my blood pressure was 60 over 40, which is actually classed as shock. And I just continued working the rest of my shift. They're like, oh, that's, that's very low. And then again, went to my doctors. He told me it was because I was tall and like an athlete, even though I was like a, a skeleton at the time because I had so many gut issues and couldn't eat a lot of food. So I said, I, I think I did pretty well managing to work. I know people have it a lot worse than me because they're, they're also trying to raise a family. They have a mortgage to pay for and they work full time and they have to commute for an hour each way every day. So I definitely had it easier than a lot of people. And I think I did pretty well. Um, I would sometimes just wake up a little bit earlier and prep my food for the day because I didn't want to eat anything that they provided there. Um, sometimes I'd go home at work um, for, for meals if I could. So yeah, I think I did pretty well, but I'm grateful now to work from home. And yeah, if people have the option, if they're trying to heal, I think that would be a, a good a good um, thing to try. Unless your whole home is moldy, then that might be that you get worse when you're at home. Or if you enjoy the social aspect of it and maybe breaking up your day into like work versus home life, maybe that helps you. But yeah, for me, working from home now is a, a major blessing. Yeah, and I think maybe a lot of people might feel like that with working from home being more of a regular occurrence now with the way things have been mm. for nearly two years. Um, for me, I was getting to the stage where I was having to cancel gigs and cancel my teaching work, which I hated doing because I, I enjoyed it. But I couldn't go. Mm. And then lockdown happened and part of me was, you know, would have rathered we weren't in the situation that we're in, but we are. Part of me was relieved because then I was... I was at home to rest and recover. Um, so yeah, I think there's probably always people that have a worse situation if that makes you feel better. But also some days it is just hard. And mm -hmm. you know, that it's okay to feel bad sometimes. Not, yeah, not putting your symptoms down just because someone else is worse than you. I, I've done that quite a lot. Like, yes, I have health issues and yes, I have like acne all over my face, but some people have burns on their face. But that's not to say that I can't feel sorry for myself sometimes or feel down because yeah everyone um everyone has to react how they feel yeah completely so how do you currently balance your work and self-care again very lucky to work for myself work from home I think that helps quite a lot I run my own business so I am very blessed um I'm not gonna lie and again everyone everyone has different situations and um back when I first started I'd be working pretty much Every day, whenever clients wanted to see me, I, I had a consultation with them. It could be anywhere from nine in the morning to seven at night. Saturdays, I used to work and that was getting a bit too much, especially with the podcast and my health issues. So then um, probably a few years back now, I had set days and set times for clients. And I 
organized my tasks into different things. So Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays are my client days. And even more recently, I've capped my sessions to just four a day um, because before, yeah, I could be working from like nine till five back-to-back clients. But I found that I wasn't showing up the best that I could in that situation because I'd just be swapping from one client to another. And it takes time to get ready and prepare for the consultation. And it can be energy draining as a practitioner, like having all of these kind of health issues and talking about um, a lot of serious situations a lot of the time. So I find that now four sessions on those three days, um, my clients are getting better results. I'm showing up better. And then on the other two work days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a range of different things. So I might be recording a podcast or preparing for a podcast. Um, I might be doing something social media wise. Um, And then sometimes I just schedule in rest or if I've got a couple of hours before a client, I'll do a coffee enema. Or if I have 10 minutes, I'll go for a quick walk outside. Um, So like I schedule it into my Google calendar as an appointment. So that means I'll stick to it. And I, um, yeah, the organization piece has made a big difference for me as well. I'm very organized anyway, but I was just too scattered. And I kind of get my clients to work around my schedule now. And it doesn't seem to be causing any problems. I'll obviously accommodate anyone who can't do a particular day. But yeah, if people want to see some changes and and work with someone, they will a lot of the time um, work around your schedule. So not being so much of a people pleaser has helped as well. Yeah, definitely. I think for me recently, I have been just trying not to fill my calendar with much, which is tricky sometimes it just ends up busier than you would like but just if it's not an obvious yeah I'll do that it's no Mm. and I don't even need to give an excuse sometimes you just say no sorry I can't help at that function that that fundraiser or I I can't make that play date in the park or whatever it is if you just if you if you need time for you just say no and you don't have to feel guilty or make an excuse I also did a lot of work last year because I've worked the whole time again really lucky um, to be able to do that not affecting my work in any way um but I needed a bit of a break as well so in July I had the whole month off um so I um yeah just enjoy myself and turn pretty much everything off I give my clients a heads up like I'm not going to be accessible um if there's an emergency obviously go to A&E but I looked I researched a lot and did a lot of work into getting more into the feminine um, especially as a business owner and just my personality type, I tend to be more in the masculine. This can be common with conditions like PCOS as well, whether it's a chicken or egg situation. But I was very much driven. I was very passionate and motivated initially to spread the word about what I was learning and tell people that it's possible to heal. But I was um, a lot of the time kind of burning myself out and it was affecting my hormones and my adrenals. So I have also found taking a step back and relaxing more into the feminine or having um, kind of set hours and once I finish work it's off my phone's off I don't go on social media or don't answer emails um, after a certain time that's really helped as well and I think it's a missing thing these days with women um, because we're expected to do it all run the household be a good wife uh, be a good mother um, run a business like all of these things and it's just not possible especially our nervous systems are just a lot more sensitive Uh, Not to say that you can't do all of those things if you really want to, but I often find a lot of women do just want to kind of be a caretaker and just kind of have a a more relaxed life and slow down. And whether you want kids or not, like 
curve for something or someone, but we often can't do that. And there are things that we have to do. We have to work um, a lot of the time to, to um, have a home and money to do things. But I found that yeah, taking a step back and even with the podcast, I didn't want to keep pushing to do something that I wasn't feeling 100% inspired to do anymore and I want to put that energy towards other things because I feel like people would start to cotton on that I wasn't kind of in it as much anymore with the podcast episodes um, and just with other things as well just going based off my more of my intuition rather than what others or what I'm expected to do. Do you love coffee but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores? Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years, because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Okay, next up. How to deal with family or friends who don't believe or support what you do business or health-wise? That's a good mm, question. Yes. I will be honest, um, my family have always been very supportive with what I do. I mean, my grandparents honestly don't really know what I do. They just think I help people with their diets. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That, that makes sense. Um, whereas my close family have always been extremely supportive um, throughout everything. Friends-wise, I did lose a lot of friends when I was going through health issues. And I honestly don't blame them because I didn't know what was going on at the time. So I couldn't um, explain my situation in an easy to understand way. And I think it was just too much of a complex thing for people in their tw early 20s to or teens to understand. So I did lose a lot of um, friends that way, not with any bad blood or anything. But then I since found people 
who do support me and have similar interests as well. And some of the friends are coming back into my life now, now that they know I'm doing a little better, a little bit better health-wise. Some of them have apologized for the behaviors or the fact that they kind of just fell off the radar. But I'm like, honestly, I, I don't mind. Um, everyone, again, is going through their own thing. But um, business-wise, again, similar thing, like never had anyone um, say anything negative. Um, I've had a few like jealous comments or a like, few snidey comments here and there about um, like showing up on social media. And when I first started like showing my face and sharing certain things online, people will be like sharing it with each other and commenting and like um, nudge, nudge, like what, who does she think she is trying to be an authority in this field? But honestly, I just let it go. I just um, knew that I was doing it for the right reasons. I wasn't doing it for like selfish reasons or to be famous or anything like that. Um, definitely not. But I've never had any major issues with people um, kind of like being negative against me in any other ways. And at the end of the day, I wouldn't need them to fully understand. I just need them to support me. Like if they, um, if they thought what I was doing was a quackery thing or was a money-making thing, then that would cross the line and I would just have to kind of explain myself. But um, yeah, I'm glad that I've not had anything like that. But with the health stuff as well, more recently over the past couple of years with the whole, especially the past few months with the whole, I'll not say the full world, but the, the vax situation, um, I just share my beliefs because I have people question, um, sometimes not from a bad place. They just want to know why you are or aren't doing something. So I just share my personal views um, and how I've not personally got it and probably won't get it just from my own health history, not trusting fully in conventional medicine um just from my um, previous experience of being told that the birth control pill was going to be the thing that fixed everything and it actually just made things 10 times worse or being super sensitive and literally being at risk for every single one of the side effects that are listed um, I, I almost had a blood clot from the birth control pill at one point so yeah just explaining not getting confrontational or anything like that because that just makes you seem defensive and sometimes you um, do have to um, cut some people out of your life, whether it's temporarily or just kind of mute everything externally just to get yourself into a good place where you can handle a little bit more of a conversation. But if someone really loves you and respects you, they wouldn't not be friends with you or love you for what you believe in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've been really lucky too with my family and friends and couldn't have done it without them. But I don't think there's probably only two or three of them who have actually known what was going on and understood it the best that they could at the time. I think a lot of people knew I wasn't well, but they didn't know much past mm -hmm. that. Because like you say, it, it's too complex to just quickly tell them in one sentence, it's not possible. <laughs> and um, if you had like a condition such as cancer, everyone would know what that is and what that entails and they would be super respectful. Whereas if you've got all of these like weird diagnosis that no one in the conventional mainstream media have ever heard of like mold illness and Lyme disease and all of these things then it's understandable that people are just going to be like oh, yeah, okay like hope you get better soon yeah totally and so you don't I don't think you need to feel like you have to tell everyone you'll maybe intuitively feel comfortable with someone and they'll be intrigued but otherwise you you know you don't have to explain everything to get their support next we have Things you would do differently if starting again so that you didn't get as overwhelmed. Hmm. I did a full podcast episode on this. I just looked and it was 100, episode 122. 
on biggest mistakes that I made in my healing journey, but it was very much, um, so just like it's an overview, but definitely go and listen to that one. It'll be linked. Um, not just focusing on the diet or hormones and narrowing in on one area, take a step back and look at the bigger picture, even things like your environment, your relationships, your trauma, your stress, um, because diet is only one piece of the puzzle. Um, looking more into the energetic, emotional side of things, whether it's even going through health issues can be traumatizing, especially if you've been to doctors who tell you it's all in your head or you're never going to get better or you have infertility. That can really like mess your mind um, up. So sometimes that's the type of limiting belief that I'm talking about that people need to work on, or it could be childhood stuff that you also need to go through. And um, not focusing too much on supplements trying to fix me or other people trying to fix me, looking inward and listening to myself and my intuition. And I wish I knew starting off about some of these root causes and not just, oh, you have high testosterone or high estrogen and low progesterone, just boost them, take herbs to do so. That's very much symptom managing and band-aiding a little bit the problem. And that's why as soon as I stopped taking them, the symptoms would come back. And yeah, I was just in this vicious cycle of years and years, spent so much money. So I wish I would have known that, but at the same time, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I, I don't have any regrets, really. Yeah. And not getting overwhelmed, I think, like the one step at a time thing. And I think having more answers is better than no answers. So sometimes people, they do all of these lab tests, that, like with me, blood work, and then mineral testing, and then maybe a stool test. And I'm like, these are all the problems. Please don't be overwhelmed. I work with this stuff all day, every day. I know it's brand new information to you as a client, but at least we have some direction now to work with. Whereas if you have all of these symptoms, but your lab tests either come back fine or you don't get any, if you don't get access to any of these amazing labs, then I think that's even worse when you don't know what's causing your acne or your severe digestive issues. So yes, yeah, good at least knowing what um, what is contributing. Yeah, sometimes things are meant to pan out, you know, the journey will take the course it's meant to take. Okay, what is your guilty pleasure? Mm. <laughs> I hate questions like this, I'm not going to lie. Like, when someone says, like, tell me a fun fact about yourself, I'm like, <laughs> it's like my worst nightmare. Um, but guilty pleasure, um, I really love reality TV. I don't know if that would be a guilty pleasure. Like, I don't feel guilty about anything that I do honestly but yeah if it's under like the umbrella when people say like I love eating cheesecake in bed or whatever um yeah mine's reality tv especially made in Chelsea if you're in the UK that's like a <laughs> not like a only way is Essex type thing but I love the made in Chelsea one so I watch that every week and I love list like different types of music um but I often find myself listening to One Direction which <laughs> It's probably, I shouldn't be admitting that at 27 years old, but gotta love them. I'm sure there's older people at their concerts. I know. And especially in the gym, they get me very motivated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, next we have the mistakes when healing things I wish I knew. Mm. Yeah, so again, full episode on that. Too much focus on diet, too restrictive at times, not looking at the bigger picture. So that was kind of with the other ones. If I was starting again, what I would do. Okay, and then top things that improve acne, PCOS, and mold illness. Mm. So everyone's different. Um, I'll do maybe a couple for each one. For me, they're probably all tied together anyway, in my opinion. Um, but the acne, biggest things for me were 
originally cutting out gluten and dairy and some other food sensitivities that I had, especially high histamine foods. I was eating them every single day, multiple times a day. And my face was just so inflamed because my body was already producing so much histamine and I couldn't break it down because my liver was messed up and my gut was messed up. Histamine foods for someone else with acne could be the most amazing thing ever. It could actually help clear their skin, things like dark chocolate, avocado, spinach, sauerkraut, fermented foods. For me, it was the worst thing ever. If you're uh, wanting to learn more about that, I have a couple of blog posts on my website that share some of the symptoms and sometimes just reducing them for a few days if your acne improves and it could be a sign that you're on the right track. And even with um, the other foods, so gluten, I, I do think I'm always going to have a sensitivity to it um, because of a strong autoimmune family history of both sides. So I just choose not to have that. Whereas dairy, I can now tolerate dairy here and there, good quality, full fat, uh, organic, raw if possible, and my skin doesn't freak out um, anymore. So that is one that's probably just temporary whilst your gut is um, kind of healing or you have parasites, that's a big one. If you get rid of parasites, you can often overcome dairy intolerance. I see that quite a lot. And then the topical side of things. Before, I was just not on a good skincare routine, even though I was using natural organic products. I was using a lot of heavy oils on my face. A lot of the blends had coconut oil in, which is a big pore clogger. I was over exfoliating my face. So I'd be using like a, a scrub or a chemical exfoliant multiple times every single day, trying to like dry out the skin. Um, my skin barrier was just messed up. So it was flaky, but oily, but dry, just a combination. Um, so I got... Uh, I got advice from a couple of different people. Um, my two go-tos in terms of the topical stuff would be um, Cheryl Woodman, who is Honesty Full Skin, and Sarah Sumik, who is Healthy Skin Glow. So they both offer services where they go through a skincare routine personalized to you. I could not emphasize that enough. And they helped me both together um, at one point or another, and I kind of find my baseline routine now that includes um, some retinoids, um, granactive retinol a couple of times a week and um, things like niacinamide are amazing for my skin an oil-free moisturizer works great spf in the summer and um yeah just focusing on hydration and not constantly stripping my skin that helped too and the gut health piece and finding out about molds so this toxicity detox side of thing helped my skin too uh, which is common because if your liver is backed up or your gut is messed up then the natural toxins that we produce on a daily basis or these external toxins that we get from food or air quality come out through the skin. So yeah, so I always knew that supporting my liver made a big difference to my face. But then I was like, I shouldn't have to keep taking NAC and milk thistle and all of these liver supports all the time. And then I was like, okay, what could be stressing my liver so much? And then I looked into um, mold as a factor. I kept getting signals all the time that mold was a problem so that's why i said they do cross over so that was acne pcos similar things um another thing was um, be mindful of my exercise i was going too much i was doing too much exercise initially which is usually the opposite of what people think with pcos they think they're just sat on the bum all day doing nothing but yeah for me over exercise triggered my pcos i wasn't eating enough food that was stressing my adrenals in my body and long-term, that made me more insulin resistant. Uh, insulin resistant. I, my body just didn't know how to use carbohydrates efficiently anymore. But I honestly feel like my PCOS was driven by mold illness um, uh, at the root cause. 
because mold illness drives the um, three main drivers of PCOS, which is insulin resistance and blood sugar issues. Even if you're eating the cleanest, healthiest diet ever and exercising, having mold can cause your blood sugar and your insulin to be out of whack. Um, adrenal stress, so it's a constant stress on the body, even if you're meditating all day, every day, and inflammation. It's like one of the biggest drivers of inflammation because of how it turns off your glutathione and detox systems. So then um, the biggest things that help me improve mold illness, probably numbers one to four out of five are going to be get out of the environment as much as you can clear things up. Um, because there are some things that you can do in the meantime. I know it's not always easiest to just up and leave. And I'm grateful that I was already moving out of my parents' house when I identified it as a problem. But then I had to stay there for another like six plus months until this new place was ready for me to move in. That was a challenge and really testing my patience. And then other things that I did, coffee enemas have literally been a lifesaver on my health journey. They, out of a lot of other things, made a huge difference pretty instantaneously. And then binders. I loved the biotoxin binder from Cellcore compared to some of the other ones that I did were just too harsh on the system and just an effort to separate them from food and other things all day long. And then infrared saunas, I said, would be the other one. And I have the um, Soma Mat from GetFit, which is a company based in London. That's an infrared. It helps you to detox and helps your mitochondria, which can be also wrecked from mycotoxins. Yeah, that's quite a good list of things. Um, yeah, I would just say similar things to you. My acne over the last, say, four years when it's been really bad, different things would trigger it at different times. So there would maybe be a period where I noticed when I didn't eat fat, it wouldn't trigger my acne because my liver couldn't cope and I couldn't produce the bile and mm -hmm. it just became this mess. But that wasn't a reason not to eat fat. Mm -hmm. eat okay, fat. Like helping one thing, but like causing issues with other things. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and there's, I have a friend who loves dairy and she is obsessed with cheese and we can make it a running joke. And she has had crystal clear skin her entire life. So one trigger for someone yeah. is exactly. if dairy was the problem, then why isn't everyone covered in acne? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's never one answer. And is your skin pretty good now? It looks very clear. It's uh, yeah, no, it is. It's good. Um I think I think what we were talking about earlier where going slow is going fast. And I'm just sort of over that big hurdle. And my trick at the moment is Guasha every morning mm -hmm. and some topical hydroxygen, which mm, is yeah. not an easy product to get for everyone if you don't work with a practitioner, but it's really good for your skin. For mine, anyway. Yeah, I made a, a mix with that and the minerals and like mm. a little um, hydrosol or uh, rose water or something sprayed on the skin. Yeah, it can be amazing. Yeah, I need to mix that with the minerals and taste that one. Um, okay. How did you begin healing your gut? That's quite a question. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Initially, it was very much the standard advice that's given. It's known as the 4R protocol, which we learned at college. So remove, which is removing the, um, the triggers. So stop taking antibiotics all the time if you can. Uh, remove the foods that you're sensitive to, like gluten, um, and like clean up your lifestyle and everything like that. Um, remove, I think it's repair and then re-inoculate and rebalance. So, um, repair. oh, and you also do antimicrobials in that. So you just start with antimicrobials, kill it off, whatever the problem is, but, uh, with B 
berberine, garlic, neem, clove, wormwood, just throw a ton of herbs at it. And I always find that the protocol, the, the protocols were always too short. It was literally for like four to six weeks. Take these and then you're good. Whereas in my experience now, that's not going to do anything really. If you have these chronic infections, it's more, in my experience, the two to three month point of something like a parasite cleanse at minimum. Some people need to do like on and off cycles and not just keep pounding your gut with these products. But yeah, that doesn't seem to be enough. So then you add probiotics in once you've weeded the, the bugs out, throw some probiotics in and then lose, use some L-glutamine and then you're good. But that's very basic. Some people that would help. But for me, yeah, I had these parasites that I wasn't specifically targeting. I never took binders for years and years and years. So no wonder that I had these crazy detox reactions. I didn't know to support my liver beforehand and make sure that I wasn't constipated. Um, and I was eating all this fermented food that was just making my histamine levels go through the roof. That was a lot of stuff I did. I've done probably 25 gut protocols in my life for months on end. And until this year when I did full parasite cleanse and had dealt with the moles, fixed my liver, um, rebalanced my minerals, now the protocol has worked. And I've seen it on stool tests. Before, my immune system would always be low. I'd always have some sort of parasite or yeast pop up. And every time I did a stool test, it looked just the same or worse than before, which was very frustrating. Whereas now, even though it's taken a while, I, I feel like it's in a good place, but it will always be an ongoing process. So that's how I began. But I, I feel very differently about the process now. Yeah, same. I think when I came to you, I expected it to be, you know, like you've broken a bone. I need six yeah. weeks for this to be fixed and then it will all be fine. Never Take some leaky be- guts powder or some... Yeah, glutamine was a favorite, but I found out that I had high glutamate levels. So I remember taking these high doses that I read online for like bowel disease levels, um, bowel disease doses, and I'd get a severe migraine. And then I realized a few years ago that I had a severe glutamate reaction when I had a seizure from eating MSG. So again, no one product is should be a blanket statement for all. No, and I think when you're chronically ill healing the gut is an ongoing process mm-hmm. that's you know obviously you want to have great gut health but it's not a case of you need to just fix that when you address everything else it will heal and there's often and steps start... that you need to do beforehand like at least build the body up for a few months before going in with these antimicrobials otherwise it's just another stress on the body and it's just going to overwhelm the system so i sometimes for at least three months before get someone's minerals balanced or yeah, get their adrenals a little bit stronger so they can actually tolerate the full gut protocol and have it be longer lasting. But you're right that in this modern world, we're constantly fighting against toxins and pollutants and antibiotics. Even if you're not taking them, they're in the food, they're in the water. There's all these trace medications. So it is an ongoing process, but it doesn't need to be as intense as like a, an in-depth protocol that you do um, once or twice. No, not at all. It just means you might need to be more just aware of every area that makes up your health okay how are you treating your lime and have you looked into bee venom therapy i have looked into bee venom therapy i'm not sure if it's a common thing here in the uk i don't think so from my research it's very much um popular in california and america and there's probably is a way to do it i mean my parents have an allotment now and they were asked a few weeks ago did they want to start keeping bees uh, they were thinking like for honey and things I was like oh could do some bee venom therapy on the <laughs> on the side 
but I wouldn't do that because I've never been stung by a bee and I don't know if I'm allergic to them. So that wouldn't be a good gamble. So in terms of Lyme, um, I found out that I had issues with Borrelia and some co-infections um, about two years ago now, maybe one or two years ago. And it's always been something that I thought of because of the fact that when I got quite sick, I was in a real epidemic area for Lyme, which was in Pennsylvania. It's on the north east of the states that area kind of um new york city um connecticut and um yeah upstate new york and everything is a very um, common area that people get lyme disease but it's not localized to that area it's ever, anywhere and everywhere now so i learned around um i learned about the lime and the mold around the same time because they often go together and then i learned that often it's the mold that's the biggest factor you can think of how many people have been bitten by a tick or a mosquito or a flea or something and have contracted Borrelia, which is the Lyme, and have zero symptoms at all. So it's often the people with very suppressed immune systems and like with mold illness that often get symptomatic. And there's these people who have been on antibiotics for years on end, IV, conventional, herbal, and they're just not getting any improvement. So I didn't want to go down that route and I got that I didn't. And I was never that sick with the Lyme I think I think for me it was mainly the mold symptoms and based on testing I still have the Borrelia now it even looked a little bit higher last time I tested because of my immune system now showing the true reading whereas before it was like borderline it was low my natural killer cells were rock bottom which shows something was suppressing my immune system whereas now even though the natural killer cells are still low and I'm monitoring them ongoing because that can be a sign of chronic Lyme disease um, now it's actually showing at a higher level. So it's not to say that it's got worse because I feel better than I've ever done. But yeah, it's now showing that um, probably Lyme Borrelia is something that I need to look into. And even though I feel good, I don't want to just let it kind of stay dormant because all it could take is one big stress, one illness, and then it knocks me off. So I want to do some treatment now that I'm feeling up to it. And basically I'm doing mainly herbals and tinctures, um, some things through... Dr. Klinghart's work with his line Key Science. Um, they do things like Cystus Tea and um, Stevia Drops. So I drink that every day. There's some Beyond Balance remedies. Um, I use the Borrelia one for that. And ongoing, do things like the coffee enemas and detox support and immune support. On a recent episode, I spoke with Mimi Linquist, um, who talked about HCC. That's something that I've recently started as well. It's too early to see labs I've not done any labs since starting that but that would be interesting because she said it makes a big difference as well but anything just to support my immune system with some specific antimicrobials for the Borrelia at the moment but I probably won't do something like bee, ther bee venom therapy um, in my journey. Good advice. How many practitioners have you worked with? Um, so the first practitioner that I worked with um, her name was Dee and it was when I came back from America and had lots of digestive issues and lots of skin issues and my hormones were a mess even though I was on the pill so I researched nutrition or someone who can help with these things and her name popped up she was local to me in Manchester so I traveled to see her and around the same time because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life once I'd come back from being a camp counselor in America for the summer um, I because of the food quality there and just the fact that I felt terrible like not eating any vegetables or anything healthy. I was literally craving fruit and vegetables afterwards. I was like, okay, diet must have a massive importance. And I've always been into like 
um, sports and things like that. So I've always um, been interested in health, but more along the lines of like nursing, caring for people. I didn't really want to work as a dietitian or anything. So then when I went to see her, I told her how I'd seen about this college called CNM. And she was like, yeah, I'm the director of studies there. So it was like very much a universe moment it was meant to be. She did help me a lot of, um, in a lot of ways by kind of opening up my eyes and saying that there was all these tests and supplements. And she helped me transition off the pill because she told me like the negative effects of that and how it could just be working against me. So she was the first one. And then I moved on from her um, just because I, I didn't, she was quite busy at the time. So I didn't feel like I was getting the full care that I needed. And I just wanted to start on my own doing some research. So then I started looking into um, SIBO. Uh, I thought that was like the answer to everything. And I was like, right, I must get rid of SIBO. So I started for months and months on these antimicrobials and um, they would help a little bit, then it would come back. Now I know it's because all of these other issues that I had, it just was a symptom of something else. So I um, needed, I wanted to try the antibiotics, the conventional route. Then I found this practitioner in London who worked online. She had connections with the doctor who was willing to prescribe rifaximin and neomycin. So then I went to them online, paid, I think the prescription was like 250, pounds for two weeks worth of antibiotics. Um, and the, the prices anyway was like probably two, 300 pound an hour to chat with them. So that was quite pricey. Um, and yeah, that helped again a little bit. So I've worked with them um, for a few sessions and then I've probably just been on my own. I've had like consultations here and there with like people who have been on my podcast. I'd just chat with them for a little bit afterwards. Um, I'd go to a lot of seminars. So I don't know if that counts as it as well, but they were the two main ones, but there's been nothing like no one who's put a protocol together recently who has helped me. It's just been me. I'm a bit of a control freak and I want to do it on my own. Um, and then apart from studying at CNM, um, the college in Manchester, my learning, because that was very much like foundational intro into nutrition. And I thought I knew everything after that, but that just opened my eyes when I started to actually work with clients in real life. And my learning since has really been from books and seminars and podcasts since graduating. I've done a few kind of courses here and there. Um, one of the most valuable ones I found is the mineral um, HTMA course. I learned how to read and interpret her mineral testing, which is an amazing test. So if anyone's a student or a practitioner listening, I would recommend that one. Her name's Kendra Perry, who made that. And I do have a link um, in the show notes. It's an affiliate link. I think there's a discount on that. So that would be the top one that I've done, whereas other things, it's just like basic knowledge that I already knew pretty much. Yeah, I think you'll meet people maybe at the right time, like you said, um, but you learn a lot yourself when you're, are experiencing it mm -hmm. and that's kind of the best way you learn you retain the information when you remember what you felt like yeah. going through and you you know your body better than anyone it's good to get guidance especially if it's not something that you're also studying and passionate about and you've also got a full-time job like it's good to have someone to tell you exactly what to do whereas this was like my passion I ultimately wanted to be a practitioner so I thought like there's no better person to treat myself than me but everyone that I've worked with or consulted with even even if it's just for like a one-off session um, has always given me something, whether it's a positive like nugget here and there, or this didn't work. Like you don't need to go down this route, or that supplement's really not good for you. Like there's always a positive um, outcome from everything that you do. All right, we've maybe covered this already. How you deal with mold exposure in day to day life, mm. but maybe you could answer it from 
the healed from old illness perspective and how not to let that worry you in the future? Definitely. So initially when I moved, I tried to limit my exposure in mold as much as I could. So I went to this like freshly um, renovated building. I mean, there was probably off-gassing from chemical stuff, but I mean, it was a million times better than the mold that I was dealing with, which was completely invisible in my old house. So um, yeah, I, I didn't go back to my parents' house at all, really, probably like three times in six months, just for 10 minutes. But every time I'd go in, my symptoms would flare up very quickly. So I'd get ruddy nose, I'd get flushed skin, um, I'd get a little bit tingly, like my scalp, my skin just felt off like a histamine reaction and a little bit dizzy and lightheaded and tired. Um, so I would limit my time there. They would still come to visit me. And for the first probably six to 12 months, I could smell really strongly mold on the clothes. Even though I'd never, like you get used to it, it's like with bin men, um, they, they're surrounded by that smell all day, every day. So within 10 minutes, you just get used to it. So yeah, the same thing happened when I used to go home. Uh, within 10 minutes, I couldn't smell the musty smell anymore. So I was like very paranoid whenever they'd come around. Obviously, I'd want them to come and visit me. And that was benefiting my health in some ways, having my family around. But I, I was a little bit stressed and paranoid and anxious that they were going to contaminate things. Um, and then I, I learned to calm down. But it's a normal response, especially when you found the thing that's going to make the biggest difference and you, you're healing. You don't want that to be ruined. And then I remember going to a personal training session. So this was probably like six months in. I shouldn't have been working out or training looking back. Um, she worked in a similar building. Um, so it's like an old cotton mill. Mine's been renovated, um, but that one is very run down and moldy. I could see the mold like on the ceiling as soon as I went in and it was in the basement. And we did an hour personal training session. I got home and then for the rest of the day, I was just extremely depressed. Like nothing had happened. I was just crying my eyes out. Um, and I was just like, my world's falling apart. Like what's going on? I'm never going to heal. Just like irrational emotions I just couldn't explain it at all I had to get my mum to come around and like sit with me and I was like it's the mold I'm like I, I don't want to be this reactive forever I don't want to like break out in hives or get extremely depressed or tired whenever I go somewhere but now so it's been however long since June of 2021 the 2021 2020 <laughs> so yeah June 2020 when I moved um now when I go back to my parents I don't get the reactions I can stay there all day if I wanted to I don't want to live there again I wouldn't want to stay there for an extended amount of time but I also lost the sense of smell really I can't smell it on them anymore and they've not really changed the house at all it's just that I've lost this kind of a superpower which is a little bit sad but I'm also glad that I'm not extremely reactive anymore and I'm glad now that I have the knowledge on mold and I'm aware maybe in a future home not to test before I buy something and um, if I'm you know, staying at someone's house, I'll take binders if I'm not sure and all of that stuff. But I have yeah, become less reactive and we can't avoid mold completely. We just have to learn to not be in a totally moldy place and have a lower mold house and build up our vitality and make sure we're detoxing properly and our mitochondria are strong so that we can handle these little stressors every now and again. Yeah, there's definitely hope. Life doesn't need to be all worrying about mold and things that are going to take you back down and it wasn't just mold as you said there was other things as well so i had to work on those at the same time i couldn't just put blame on everything yeah definitely how have your thoughts 
on what is considered a healthy diet changed over the years because there is so much conflation and research because we're in this era of information so how do you decipher what is health i think it's changed quite a lot i have been through times where i've been extremely strict and rigid bordering on orthorexic tendencies where everything needed to be cooked from scratch i needed to know exactly what was going in the ingredients i didn't eat out because i was concerned about what oils they were using or what frying pans they were using so i've definitely calmed down a lot and i've realized that times when i've eaten the cleanest diet ever um i was probably at my least healthy both mentally and physically because there's so much more to diet uh, so much more to health than diet um and yeah sometimes isolating yourself to eat this clean quote-unquote diet at home alone um as opposed to going out to a restaurant and eating some not so like some questionable food um cooked by cooked with like sunflower oil or whatever that's actually probably more beneficial to your health in the grand scheme of things because you're socializing and you're not isolated so that has changed i've um i used to think that i've never been vegan or anything but i always thought and the college that i trained at was more like eat lots of plants eat a variety of um, fruits and veg like 10 servings every single day lots of salads and soup uh, smoothies and juices and all of that stuff whereas now yeah i'm probably eating less vegetables i used to have like a fridge full in my parents' house of vegetables. And then they bought me a little mini fridge as well in the uh, the laundry room because I was just taking over everything. And I just think I was eating so much fiber and my gut just couldn't handle it. Um, my gut was just so inflamed. I had SIBO and bacterial overgrowth. So all of that fiber was just fermenting in my body. So now my main things for diet is as best quality as you can afford and have access to. So it's organic as much as possible, but not trying to be perfect with that. Um, blood sugar balancing is extremely important. So protein, carbs, and fat at every meal that you have as much as you can. And, um, yeah, for me, gluten-free, um, that one's the main, if I can do that as much as possible, I'm pretty good. So yeah, less rigid, less strict, more just like nourishing my body, like be more, a little bit more intuitive back a few years ago, I would have craved sugar and carbohydrates and, um, lots of like junk food quite a lot. Um, I've been through episodes of like binge eating periods because I just restrict myself in the day, work out a ton and then eat loads of like bowls of porridge and granola and almond butter at the jar. And it's just because I wasn't nourishing my body enough. So I'm very much laid back now and follow more of an intuitive eating. Not that I just eat everything um, as soon as it pops into my mind, but because I, I don't really like the intuitive eating term too much because some people they get this, the signals to eat a load of cookies and pasta and things, but it's actually just a hormone imbalance. So if I go out to eat, I'll eat whatever I want on the menu as long as it's gluten-free and I don't restrict myself in any ways. Yeah, no, I think that sounds sensible. You have to sort of take an approach where you zoom out and look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be perfect all the time. How to find relationships with those who have similar interests in health? Um, I don't think it's always necessary unless you really want to. Um, like with my boyfriend currently, he's not in the health space at all. He couldn't be further from it. He'll eat all the gluten and the sugar and the, the biscuits in the world, but he can't because he's not struggling with a health issue and he's never had to be mindful of what he eats because he can quote get away with it. And 
no, I think he had been influenced a little bit, not that I'm forcing him to, but like just the meals that I cook or the food that I have in the fridge is um, just healthier. So I think he is feeling a little bit better in that way. But I always thought I'd go for or end up with someone who is very like health focused, like the Ben Greenfields of the biohacking world who are into the fitness and working out, maybe the personal trainers and all of that. But I actually don't think I'd like that because I'd like to have someone who I can talk to about non-health stuff. Like he doesn't have an idea of like any of the parasite. As I said, I probably heard the word parasite more over the past year than his whole entire life and gluten. Like he's never had to hear that before. So yeah, we joke about things like that, but it's nice to have a conversation, not about hormones and gut health after me chatting with clients all day long about it. It's just nice to have a normal conversation. But if you mean like friendship wise, maybe um, like going to places where health conscious people would hang out like a, a gym or go on hikes or have a look online, find an online community. That's how I've met a lot of um, my friends and colleagues or things like health food shops. They often do like talks and um, like seminars and things like that. So I think there's um, a lot of people out there. Um, you just have to kind of filter through, but also not just focusing on people with similar opinions to you and thoughts trying to get a variety and it doesn't matter if you don't agree on everything completely it's nice to have a bit of um, a different opinion yeah completely agree it's nice to have many different voices around the table okay what would you do then if you were not in the health space i think i would be um into like forensic work I've always been like a detective. So I consider myself like a health detective now. So it kind of has worked in a little bit, but I've always been interested in like true crime and um, yeah, all of these like murder documentaries and um, serial killers, like learning about Ted Bundy and like his psychology. So yeah, probably something along the lines of police forensics detective work to investigate what's causing what's in someone's gut or what's causing the chronic sleep issues. Yeah. Yeah, I could picture you being really excited doing that sort of work. <laughs> Who knows? It might be something that I get into a deadline. Yeah, you never know. And then how do you find balance between being committed to your healing but not becoming obsessed, which is a very fine line. And I think there's maybe times where you need to be more focused and times where you need to pull back a little mm. bit. And I have crossed the line several times, probably earlier on in the... Um, health journey and then I realized it's not working to be like I'm not healthier um, than I was before trying to be super strict so yeah I think it's just um, a matter of yeah just kind of catching yourself in the moment and asking yourself like is me staying at home and declining all of these invites actually beneficial like do I just need an early night and am I doing this for my greater good and do I actually want to do this or am I doing this because I think it's gonna help heal me and sometimes um kind of declining a, a cheesecake or a, a birthday cake slice of birthday cake, birthday cake is fine if you're on some sort of elimination diet there's a time and a place and they've served me well and um, be mindful and being a little bit stricter but it also depends on your personality if that's just gonna throw you the completely other way and it's just too much um, I'm a quite kind of dedicated motivated person so I can stick with restrictions and things um, but now, yeah, I, I just look at more, there's more to life than um, your, your, what's on your plate or 
um, hormones or anything like that. It's the bigger picture. So yeah, just taking a step back and finding these little things that you can do every day and surrounding yourself with people, like we said, who aren't also trying to heal or getting people's different perspectives and just um, maybe finding other hobbies and things that aren't related to researching health and listening to health podcasts, maybe put on a comedy show every now and again and listen to that instead. Yeah, absolutely. There were times where I wouldn't go to family dinners because I couldn't handle the noise of Hmm. 10 people in one room having multiple conversations. It would just stress me out even more and I couldn't concentrate and I'd feel ill and I'd stay home to do my baths that I needed to make me feel better. And and I, I didn't, I mean, I obviously wished I could have gone, but I was kind of content thinking I'm going to be happier here. I'm going to be miserable there because I'm not me at the mm. moment. But then there have been times where I have gone and I've come home and I felt better than I would have mm. had I stayed home to do something that was meant to heal me. So, yeah, I think you Just have to listen to, to your body that. in the moment and knowing that it's not going to be forever. If you, yeah. yeah, if you think like next year I'll be fine and I'll, I'll go out a little bit more, but right now I'm just kind of um, going inwards. I'm hibernating a little bit. I'm healing myself and then I'll be so much more of a better person when I do get back out into the world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then the last question on the list is what are your future goals and ambitions for your business and personal life? Hmm. I am less ambitious than I was a few years ago. Uh, I think that's okay. I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in a season of my life where I'm just coasting a little bit. I'm just relaxing a little bit. I've I've worked extremely hard over the past few years, uh, both physically on my health and with my business and building my business up to where now I can have a few weeks off here and there, and I don't have to push as much. I don't struggle to get clients. Um, so yeah. I, I kind of felt guilty for that a long time. Like, oh, I, I'm not making all of these amazing courses or anything like that online. But I feel like when the inspiration strikes, I will make something. I've been very much focused on my health and I'd, I need me to be in a good place health-wise in order to give to others. It's that whole fill your cup up or put your oxygen mask on before helping others. So now I put my health first. And that's the priority for me. My business can kind of um, take a back seat. Um, yeah, so my, my relationships and my health is number one. Um, so business-wise, I do want to um, eventually help. I want to continue with my clients. They're my priority at the moment as well. Just one-on-one, I'm still doing that. Um, helping more women, but I can only see so many clients a week, just like energetically as well, emotionally. Um, so online courses, guides, group coaching will definitely be on the cards. But yeah, I'm I'm thinking at the moment what I want to do, but I won't put anything out there until I know it's going to be amazing and it's going to help a lot of people. And personal life, uh, future goals. So I do eventually want kids and I want to get married and get my dream home somewhere. I want like an eco home, whether that's building my own or finding somewhere else. But I think I'll be in this apartment for another few years yet, probably move when I'm 30. I'm 27 now. I want a dog um and yeah want a family and working alongside continuing i'll probably be in the health field long term um helping women because that's what i love to do awesome well and that's come to the end of the questions i think that's covered quite a lot it has my throat is a little bit scratchy right now (laughs) 
<laughs> but I've loved being on the other side of the podcast for a change. I know you'll listen to you'll listen to my voice like every week. So yeah, thank you for putting up with me. And we will we're probably going to continue working together. You're going to help me out uh, with the business side of things. So um, yeah, thank you for your time, Kira. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listened. Again, I appreciate the support, and I've enjoyed answering your guys' questions today. I'm still going to be posting and active on social media, but for now, the podcast is going to be a little bit quiet. And who knows, it might come back with a bang in a few months or a few years time who knows so thank you for joining us today on the podcast i really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide please leave me a rating and review and i will email you a copy as a thank you gift all you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com this guide contains delicious gluten dairy grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health, as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there.